So this morning I want you to join me as I just thank the Lord for his presence and his continued presence with us. Lord, we give you thanks forever. The song says, come let us adore our Christ the Lord. And this morning, Lord, God, we thank you for the opportunity to come to adore you. Oh God, there are some this morning as Anne prayed that are depressed and suicidal, but do not have the hope because they have yet to hear that invitation to come and to adore Christ our Lord. They are yet to hear that invitation, that announcement that the, 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 the joy giver has come. They are yet to hear that there is great joy in Christ. They are yet to hear that good news, Father. And so, Lord, for those who are listening at the sound of my voice, God, may they hear on Mixelar, may they hear on Zoom that the Christ has come. Not a Christ, but the Christ has come. And he comes, come, he comes with joy. May those, Father God, that may never hear my voice, Lord, in some way, shape, or form, God, you convey to them wherever they are this morning that the Christ, the one who brings hope and joy, has come. The peacemaker has come. The wonderful counselor has come. The mighty God has come. The everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace has come. And so, Father, as I share that which I that I discern that you have given me, Father, I pray that in the message we will recognize that you have come. And because you are here, Father, there's so much we have in store. There's so much we have at our fingertips to take hold of. There's so many benefits, God. And so, Father, this morning as I speak, let your words be conveyed the way you want them to be conveyed. Even my emotions, I ask you, Father, that my emotions will submit to you. Father, I pray this morning that you would have your way. You would have your way this morning in our lives. And that we will never be the same. So thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, as I said in my prayer, Lord, let my emotions be subjected or submitted to you. I hear in my ear, no, I have given you the emotions that you have to use them. Because you know what the Lord just shared with me? He said the same scripture can be delivered by 10 persons and 10 different things. Because he made, made us so unique. And he uses our emotions and our personalities to convey his message. The words may not, are not, are, will not change. But the, 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 the method or the emotions attached will be different because of the audience that he wants to, to convey his message to. And so my sisters and brothers, don't change. Don't change your, 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 your uniqueness. I'm not telling you to stay in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But don't change the way God has wired you. 
And don't apologize for the fact that you may be quirky than others. You may be more serious than some. That's how he made you. Because there's an audience for you that only you can meet and, and, and that nobody else can. So this morning, I, Sister, Sister Anne read or encouraged us to read with her Luke 2 verses 1 to 21. And I just want to place emphasis on verses 8 to 11, which I will not read right now. But as I go through, I will share different parts of it with you. When you and I enter a room, our eyes are not normally drawn to an unlit lamp or a lighting fixture, right? You don't go into a room and say, oh, let me look for the lighting fixture or look for a lamp. We don't. But if the lamp is lit, you are forced to notice the light that the lamp exudes. Because although the lamp doesn't speak, it introduces itself through its light. Right? So the lamp doesn't speak, but the light speaks for the lamp. And sometimes you are drawn to look at the fixture because of the light. It's the same way. Jesus coming into the world is that light. His joy that he brings allows you and I, those of us who, are, who, who recognize, and this week I learned the difference between the word recognize and acknowledge. Because most times we said, if you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior, acknowledge is an external, an external recognition. So you, you externally acknowledge someone. That does not mean that internally you believe what you say. While recognition says it is an inner conviction. I, 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 I thank the Lord for allowing me to un understand these word differences at this stage of my life that I just no longer just look at a word as simple as the word it is but I try to understand it if when you and I are recognized Jesus as the light and the joy giver and joy himself you and I then are able to exude that light and we as the light and the joy of Christ introduces him as the giver of light and also introduces ourselves as the children of light so let me repeat when we enter a room we're only drawn to see the lamp because of the light and the light introduces us to the lamp and the light will say look at me because i am well lit you are now able to see things you could not have seen the same with joy. When you and I exude joy, the joy that comes from Christ, we now allow the world to see him in a way they would have not have seen him. We now give, not, not that we give entrance because he already came, but your joy and my joy have, have a way of introducing Christ to those who would never have known him as the joy giver would never have known him as the giver of light and even to know us as the children of light. This morning we had a discussion with, um, we were just giving thanks and through a song and heard Jordan remembering what he went through on the 14th of December, 2020. 
two years later, he was able to speak about the God who, the miracle working God, the promise keeping God who allows him today to be able to be with us. He mentioned the limitation, but he, he also mentioned that though I have these limitations, I'm still able to do. He said, I can't run as fast as I used to, but I can still run. And when I heard him, I said, God, that is joy exuding right there. Listening to, to, to Jordan's testimony would cause someone to want to know, what do you believe? We are the light. We are, our joy introduces others to Christ who would not have seen him or known him. Some days you and I are bombarded with trials that comes to, trials that come to diminish our joy. And most days we are bombarded with depressing events happening or developing around the world. And those events also have their purposes. They're, they come to force us to pay attention that we are living in a sorrowful world. You'd hear people say, oh my God, I can't wait. This world, it's no longer the same. Look at what America has come to. Look at what Jamaica has come to. Look at how the world has changed. The events are so designed to cause us to be depressed. While Jesus coming into the world, based off the scripture we just read, is designed for us to be joyful. So the events that CNN and NBC and MSNBC and ABC and all the JBCs and the CVMs and the TVJs announces are designed to cause you to be depressed. They call them breaking news or newsflash. There's a song I, 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 in my research I came upon that was written by Anne Murray in 1983. The song is called A Little Good News. I would love for you to go and listen to it at the end, at your convenience. The, 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 the lyrics go as follows. She says, I rolled out this morning. Kids had the morning news show on. Bryant Gumbel was talking about the fighting in Lebanon. Some senator was squawking about the bad economy. It's gonna get worse, you see. We need to change, we need a change in policy. There's a local paper rolled up in a rubber band. One more sad story is one more than I can stand. Just once, how would I like to see the headline say, not much to print today. Can't find nothing bad to say. Because nobody robbed a liquor store on the lower part of town. Nobody OD'd. Nobody burnt a single building down. Nobody fired a shot in anger. Nobody had to die in vain. We surely could use a little good news today. And the song continues, because there are more lyrics to it that I, in sake of time, I wouldn't share. But this morning, I'm so glad that in our text this morning, we are able to share with Anne Murray that good news is here. Good news came because in, 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 in Luke 2, we saw verse 9, the angel of the Lord appearing to some humble shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel was quick. To, to declare to them, to instruct them, do not be afraid. Because the news that I bring to you today is the greatest news. The news that I share with you today is not a depressing news. 
The news that I bring today is a news of hope. Joy has come to earth for all people. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. This is the greatest news the world has ever heard. Remember, the news are designed to show you the hopelessness around the world. The news are the news are shared for us to see or feel as if we are in a doom and gloom and we need something to change to something something needs to be changed. But the angels are saying to us this morning, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And if you think the way I think, I wondered, why would God send the angels to shepherds who are living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night? And if you notice, the shepherds would have been people who cannot keep Sabbath because a sheep is hungry on a Saturday. A sheep needs to be watered on a Saturday, on the Sabbath. So why would God bring the news to, to shepherds who were lowly and despised rather than to the more religious or the more the wealthy. In bringing the news to the shepherds, God was saying to Israel and to the world, the news that I bring is for all people. There is no discrimination. And so, and I can say to you this morning, although you were not born in a family of religious people, you had no pastors and, and, and preachers and bishops and, and all of those and elders and deacons in your family that you can, can, that you can identify. God is saying to you, the good news that is, was sent to earth was for all people like you and I. The good news announced through the unexpected and glorious appearance of an angel that the Lord is able to speak and to meet with humble people. And it showed me first and foremost that God is seeking humble people to share his news with. He didn't come for the proud. He didn't come for the haughty. He didn't come for the arrogant. He didn't come for the wealthy. He came for those who in and of themselves and in society, they are nobody. The good news was announced that the birth of the Messiah that Israel was awaiting to bring salvation has occurred. It and the good news announced the extraordinary birth of Jesus. And I wondered why would God know that the world is so full of poverty? Why would you send your son to be born poor? Why not send him to be born in a rich family? The child and son called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the Prince of Peace that Isaiah spoke about was as come into the world. The good news revealed that great joy was available to not only to the Jews, but to everyone who needed it. Then I went further to look at what does the word will bring means? Why did he use will bring? 
the phrase will bring expresses an inevitable, unavoidable, and guaranteed experience and outcome. Listen to what will bring says. The angel says, the good news that will bring great joy, will bring, is not an option, it's not a choice. The adjective great intensifies the joy and the gladness. So the, the, the angel is saying, mega joy comes. The ultimate joy comes. Joy above the standard that you and I are accustomed to has come. It is intensified. Jesus brings the ultimate and the widest sense of gladness that can ever be experienced because it is grounded in the wonder of his divine love for us. Jesus brings the ultimate gladness that you and I can ever experience. We look to other things. We look to money. We look to people. We look sometimes to ourselves. We look to an experience for great joy. But those things are temporary because they are only happiness because money can finish. Friends can disappear. Health can go. But what Jesus brings is grounded in the wonder of his divine love for you and for, for me. The good news of great joy brings Jesus within our reach. He came for all people and that is why he's in your reach. He came for people like Anne who does not have the, 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 the background of, of, of great legacy of, of, of religious people. Not like Karen who have grandfather who speak, who, who she knows that he's a, he's a man of God. Not like Mrs. Burke who has a father who knows and speak about how, how, how their father or grandfather spoke the gospel. The good news came to people despite your heritage, despite your culture. It calls us to behold the glory of God in the incarnate Christ, our Savior and Lord. So then my mind says, so if Jesus brings great, this great joy, why aren't all people experiencing the thrill of joy? You and I may not experience great joy because joy is a flag flown high from the castle of our hearts when the king is in residence there. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of our hearts when the king is in residence there. So if the king is not residing in your heart, there's going to be no joy. The joy of Jesus is part and parcel of God's will for those who recognize Jesus as Savior. Recognize him as the Messiah and the Lord by being in right relationship with him through repentance which leads to forgiveness. Joy is not something that we can fake. We can fake happiness. We can fake it. We can behave as if we're happy. And people do that. We behave as if we're on top of the world, but you can't fake joy because joy comes from God through Jesus. 
Joy is a fruit that is produced from a spirit-filled life that is made, that is being made holy. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, and you can list the others. With the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, the joy of Jesus is the flag flown high because the King is residing there. Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. So if the king is not residing there, in the midst of suffering, you and I cannot experience joy. What we do, we grumble, we complain. The great joy of Jesus does not change or fluctuate based on the circumstances surrounding our lives. And that one got me when, I, when I'm thinking about it. God, God does not expect you to have joy today because I have nothing. Less joy when, when there is less suffering. Greater joy when there is no, no suffering. No. He says, my joy in you causes you not to fluctuate despite the circumstances in your lives. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, instead of being filled with worry, joy is inevitable because joy is found in Jesus. Joy is not found in our circumstances. Joy is not found in, our, in, in the things happening around us. Joy is not dependent upon my bank account. Joy is not dependent on my friends. Joy is not dependent on nothing but Jesus residing in my heart, the King in residence in my heart. And that is why Romans 12, 12 can tell, tell us, be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction and be faithful in prayer. Joy makes no sense of my distinction between having and wanting. Joy makes nonsense, I'm sorry, of my distinction between having and wanting. That's a C.S. Lewis quote. Joy is a gift of God as well as a response to the gifts of God. You realize that? It's God's gift through his son, Jesus. So we have that joy as a gift. But it's also our response to the gifts of God. We heard Jordan this morning. Jordan said, I can run. My, one of my legs are shorter than the other. But I can run, though I cannot run as fast. And he's joyful. He said, once I could not hold up a, a, a pot cover, but now I can. I can lift a pot. And does, that does not um, re remove the fact that there are conditions that he's looking at and he's seeing with his naked eyes that his body is not the same way. But he chose to be joyful because of the gift of life that he has received. Joy comes when we are, we, we are aware of God's grace and relish his favor. Happiness, on the other hand, is depending on what we have and what we and getting what we want. Romans 14, 17 tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, 24, Jesus tells his disciples, ask for what you need in my name and you will receive it 
so that your joy will be complete. You notice it's to complete the joy. You, do you realize? Jesus said, if when you ask in my name, you'll receive it to complete the joy, not to begin the joy. That because the joy is him, the gift. And many times we're asking, hoping that what we get will complete the joy. And he's saying, no, the joy begins first by accepting him, Jesus, as joy. Because he is joy. And when you ask in his name, the joy is complete or made full. Joy is thinking about the beauty that still remains despite the misery. It's an inner gladness and pleasure which results naturally from an inner assurance and confidence in God. Can you believe that? It's a confidence that you have in God. Despite the things that are happening in your life, the confidence that you have in God allows you to have that inner gladness and pleasure. Because again, God is, Jesus is your joy. Deuteronomy 28, this scripture, when I, when, I, when, I, when I came upon this scripture, this scripture shook me. Deuteronomy 28 verses 47 to 48 says, if you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. You'll be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. In essence, what God is saying, if you don't serve me enthusiastically and joyfully for what I've already given you, I am going to allow your enemies to come. I'm going to send them to you. And you'll be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. Because if you can't be joyful, let me give you something else. Let me replace. I remembered Anne saying something this morning, and it struck me for the very first time. She mentioned about the seed, offering being a seed. And instantly a thought came to my mind. So if I do not plant the seed and I eat my seed or I wear my seed, what I am doing, I am creating famine in my life. Because there is no seed to grow to produce a harvest. You can't save enough. You cannot save enough for famine. Famine come to wipe out what you're saving, your savings. But when you sow the seed that God has given you, the seeds of joy, it will overtake you later because your, your, your personality will change. You become a joyful person. Joy is experienced when God is most glorified in us and we are most satisfied in him. Not in what he gives, but in him. The more you and I glorify God, the more joy we experience. The mark of being born again is to fall out of love with self-exaltation and to be in love with God-exaltation. The great joy that Jesus brings enables you and I to glorify and magnify God. Psalm 16, 8-9 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Imagine, not, not 
bring him in the forefront. David said, I have set the Lord always before me because he that my right hand, I shall not be shaken. What he say, no matter what happened, because the Lord is always before me, I will not be shaken. Then he goes on further and he said, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. First Peter 1 verse 8, Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know him, do, though you do not know him, no, now see him, sorry, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So the very fact that you are glorifying God brings such a satisfaction that even though the cir circumstances around you are not what you want, you are still able to exalt him. You're still able to experience joy. So how does a believer develop great joy? First and foremost, we looked at the fact that joy is inevitable. It's not something that you go and earn. It is given to you. It's a gift. How you use your gift is dependent on you. And God said, when you're not using the gift, he will send the enemies against you. Joy is in, inev inevitable. The joy of the Lord is inevitable for those who are separated unto God and are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And I realize that moment when I am not full, there comes sorrow and depression creeping in. So guess what? We have to keep at that place of being filled. I had a discussion with a friend of mine this weekend about my, my gas tank. I fill the gas tank and when it is full, I can drive far. And the thing, when I come back home, the, the needle does, does not move. But, but once that needle moves and drops, after that, if I go to the post office, which is like about a mile or two, two miles, by the time I come back, it's like it dropped from here, boop. And in essence, our discussion says, you know, maybe we need to keep <laughs> our tanks filled. That's a, that's a message for me in my own life. That I need to keep my life filled with the Holy Spirit because the moment I leak out a little, there comes depression, there comes sorrow, there comes, and I am not saying that you cannot get sad because that is an, also an emotion. But you don't remain there because you are still able to be joyful in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of the sadness. You can give thanks. So how does a believer develop? We develop great joy by first being separated and keeping ourselves continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So we develop it this way. First, we have to be separated. So it's not even a believer, but how does one develop great joy? But how does a believer maintain great joy? Our failure to live joyfully can be traced to our unwillingness to welcome the Holy Spirit. Focus on God 
rather than dwell on our difficulties. Philippians 4, 48, Paul calls and instructs believers in Christ to rejoice in the Lord always. That scripture has always caused me to wonder, how did Paul do it? And because Paul did it, Paul knew that it can be done. And he's not calling us to do the miraculous. He's calling us to do something that can be done. And if you look in your own life, the moment you heard of it, the moment a new problem is introduced into your life, you may become anxious and worried. But as the problem prolongs, and as you start to hold on to your God and start to praise him, you realize the problem may not change, but your attitude towards the problem changes. If you are holding on to God. So Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything. And these are scriptures that most believers know. But we keep having to remind ourselves. Do not be anxious about anything. What are you anxious about this morning? What is not happening in your life? Especially for Christmas. And Anne spoke about for Christmas coming. People are going to be, be going through depression and possible suicidal thoughts because of loneliness. Paul says in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on and says, think about the things that are true. Is it situation you're going through? Is it the truth? Is it God's final word? If I think about the things that are noble, think about the things that are right and pure and lovely and admirable. Is that if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. A believer also maintains great joy by praying and asking the Lord to restore unto them the joy of their salvation. When David sinned, he lost the joy of his salvation. And in Psalm 51, 1 to 19, we hear, we, we read David praying to the Lord to cleanse him and creating him a clean and a pure heart and restore to him the joy of his salvation and grant him a willing spirit to sustain him. And I, as, as I was preparing, I realized I started saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, not only do I want you to create in me a clean heart, but grant me that willing spirit to sustain me in that place of purity before you. We need that willing spirit. That willing spirit that says, despite the news, despite the breaking news, despite the news flash, We can be joyful. That is the spirit we're asking the Lord to sustain with us this morning. To grant us and sustain in us. So what spiritual disciplines can a believer practice to develop this great joy? Sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice. Fill this temple, Lord, with your spirit once again. 
Oh Lord, I want to know your glory. I want to offer a sacrifice of praise. Fill this temple, Lord, with your spirit once again. David is saying, Lord, fill this temple again. A sacrifice of praise does means that I am not praising because everything is good. It's a sacrifice means that I have gone onto the bottom bottom of the well the bottom of my heart and when i'm on my way down there is no reason to give thanks that i can identify but god i am going to sacrificially praise you because the breaking news and the news flash is saying there's nothing to give you hope confession is a discipline that we should practice practice to confess your sins Practice confessing your sins to God and one to another. Worship. Worship, oh my soul. There is a higher place of praise. When my heart is overwhelmed, I lift my voice. There is a higher place of praise. To destroy the yoke today, I choose to worship. Worship, oh my soul. So you're calling your soul and your spirit to do things that it does not want to do. You meditate on the word. You pray, you practice gratitude. You thank him. You thank him as Jordan did this morning. You thank him, Lord. I am not able to run the way I used to run, but I can run. God, I am still able to ride a bicycle. God, I cannot walk the way I used to walk. But Lord, I am still walking. Joy comes also when we are generous. And some of us are more generous than some. Because also it's also a gift, but it's something that you and I should develop. Develop and practice that gift of generosity. Not generous because we want to be notified, noticed, or we want to be commended, but being generous because this is what God has called us to do. Being generous to what God is saying. If God is saying, give to X, give to X, don't go and give to Y because you're going to get recognition. And why is it necessary to have great joy? When we are joyful, it leaves no room for sorrow of the world to overtake us. When you and I are joyful, it leaves no room for the sorrows of this world to overtake us. So how does joy impact? the production of the other fruit in our lives. When we are joyful, peace comes. When we are joyful, we are kind, we are gentle. When we are joyful, we are loving. When we are joyful, we have peace. Joy comes and joy impacts the other fruit in our lives. Why is it difficult? To experience great joy. Because we are focusing 
and others or other circumstances. We are being depressed by the events around us and the things developing around us. I remember getting a text this week about the new coronavirus that possibly is here. And if I paid much attention to it, I could have, I could have gotten depressed. I could have gotten sad. But I chose in the instant I wrote it, I, I, I read it, sorry, and I sent it out. I chose at that moment to say, God, you brought us through 2020, 2021, 2022. And you will bring us through again. Those who must live will live. And those who are destined to die are going to die. And that's the truth. It sounds hard, but it's factual. So don't allow the things of the world, and I'm saying that not only to you, I'm saying it to myself, to steal our joy. Don't let, the, no, don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy, joy in the Lord. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let nobody steal your joy, joy in the Lord. So how does being joyful impact our relationship with others and with God? Joy of Jesus is the bar barometer or the thermometer of our closeness to God. Someone who says, I am close to God, but doesn't experience great joy is missing true intimacy with God. So if you're saying, I am, I, I, I am close to God, but you can't be joyful because the situations in your life have stolen your joy, it means that you, you need to go, go deeper in intimacy. Because if the gift of joy that you have from the giver of joy himself, who is joy, and you're close to him, think about it, it changes, it changes us. So don't let nobody steal your joy. No, let, don't let any situation steal your joy. So how can our relationship with God empower us to be more joyful? Hope produces joy. Be hopeful. Be hopeful. Anticipate that God has so much in store for you. The fact that you're alive, you have so much ahead of you. Gratitude produces joy suffering produces joy can you believe that and that's not what none of us want to hear but anything other than what the suffering produces is happiness faith produces joy jesus's life is a guided example of joy in john 15 verse 11 he said, these things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. He keeps talking about this fullness. He said it in John 16, 24, and he comes back again in John 15, 11. And he's saying, you cannot, I am bringing you to this place of full joy, great joy, not dibby dibby joy. That is up today, down tomorrow. Full, complete, and we know what it feels like to be full and complete of anything. 
a full gas tank speaks about it. A full stomach tells you that when your stomach is full, no matter what it is they're offering you and no matter how it looks to the naked eyes, you will not have it because you are full. No matter how much you love cheesecake and ice cream, when you are full, you'll say, I'll pass, I'll take it home. Because you're full. But when you're not full, you find a little place to push it, to, to stuff it, even a, even, even a spoonful. Jesus is here this morning to make your joy complete. He's here this morning to make your joy full. He said, remain in me. Let my joy remain in you. Do not let anyone or anything steal your joy. And that's a word for me today. Do not let anyone or anything steal your joy. So as you and I wait or await the return of the joy himself, the king the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Be reminded that the great joy that Jesus brings enables his children to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. Because joy, this great joy that comes from our, from our, from our Savior and Messiah is inevitable. And for any one of us who belong to God, he is not going to stop until the Holy Spirit work that joy in us. He's ensuring that we experience the joy because how can you be, be a believer of joy and not experience joy? How can your Savior who brings great joy bring this joy yet his believers and followers do not experience it? Praise be to the Lord, to the God our Savior, who daily loads us with benefits. Psalm 68, 19. He said, I carry your burden. I load you with benefits. I give to you my joy so that you will be complete. And so I'm realizing that because it, because it is unavoidable, this joy is unavoidable, I am going to learn to produce it at some point in time. And I don't want to produce it the way we, we produce corn. Sometimes you have a, you have a, you have a, a corn, a corn, a cob of corn, and it has scat, scattered um, grains. No, you want a full corn, a full cob. You don't want a corn that when you open it, sometimes there's no grain. All you see is this, this white oak, this, this white cob. Nothing developed. You don't want that. You know, as a farmer, you don't want that. You want, you want to develop. You want to produce that which God says. The believers of Jesus produce this fruit. Joy, peace, love, patience, self-control. Kindness, goodness. And this morning, the, Jesus himself is saying to us through my voice, 
I have brought great joy to you. I have brought great joy to you. Let my joy remain in you. James 1 verse 2 to 4, another well-known scripture, says, count it all joy when you face trials, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You see how these other things are helping you to produce other things? But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. Whenever you see me going through trials, remind me, don't let nobody, don't let anything steal your joy. And I want to remind you too, don't let anyone or anything steal your joy. Our joy is not in things. Our joy has nothing to do with our circumstances or the persons that we know. Our joy comes from the joy giver himself. He is joy. Joy originated in him. Without him, there will be no joy. And so like Paul this morning, I say to you, rejoice always because the good news of great joy is here thank you my sisters and my brother for listening and so father i thank you that when something is inevitable god it means that i have to bear it like i can't get away from it if I turn to the left, there will be an opportunity for joy. If I go to the right, if I move to all different parts of the world, there will be opportunities for me to produce this joy. If my life station changes where I'm no longer whatever I am, it means that you're still going to find opportunities for me to produce joy because that's what I am supposed to produce. I am a fruit bearer. You chose us individually to bear lasting fruit. And the fruit that we will bear also includes joy. The Father, cause us to believe. Cause us to not lose hope. Cause us to trust you. Cause us, Father God, to, to sign up for this journey. A journey, Father God, of, of highs and lows and corners. A journey, Father God, with thorns on the road. But Father, at the end of the day, you say to us, I am the joy giver and I give you joy. Let my joy remain in you. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that will help us to sustain this joy. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. I'm mindful that there are some who may be listening on Mixelar this morning who may not know this joy giver that I just spoke about. And as I shared earlier, the only way we can experience this joy is to come to know this joy giver himself by repenting of our sins, by asking him to cleanse us 
of all our unrighteousness, to purify our hearts, and to come in and be our Lord and our Savior. When he comes, he teaches us to maintain this joy by practicing disciplines of prayer, of meditation, of thanksgiving. He teaches us through praise and worship. He teaches us through meditation on the scripture. It is necessary, especially in this time, to experience and to have this joy. And so I implore you, come and know the joy giver himself. But I also speak to those who already know the joy giver and from time to time bear these category in corns. Joy today, sorrow, fully tomorrow. He says, come, come. Come, let my joy remain in you. Let my joy remain in you. Let not the breaking news and the news flash dictate your joy. Let not the phone calls bombard you or the life circumstances dictate to you how joyful you should be. When you are joyful, he says, peace comes. And when you are at peace, joy comes. So I pray this morning that we will encourage each other by thinking about things that are true and noble and pure and lovely and admirable, that we think about things and guard our hearts in Christ by looking at what he has promised. He says, as through Paul, rejoice in the Lord always. Thank you, my sisters and brothers. Amen.